Radio Days Africa podcast is brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy. Africa 2020 is about to go live. Welcome to Radio Days 2020, Radio Days Africa 2020, the new normal. It's Africa's largest radio conference, nine its eleventh year. It's brought to you by the Wits Radio Academy under the auspices of the Department of Journalism at Wits University. We'd like to thank our partners and sponsors. They include the Conrad Adenauer Institute. RCS Africa Sound Software, as well as Iona FM, the Abundant Media Group, and Crossfade Studios. Remember, you can register for all the remaining Radio Day sessions at radiodaysafrica.co.za. You can follow us on Facebook on the Wits Radio Academy Facebook page, and uh, on Twitter at Radio Days Africa with the hashtags RDA2020 and hashtag the new normal. If you'd like to send us a voice note on WhatsApp, the number locally in South Africa is 079-528-0000. If you're dialing in from outside the country, the country code is two seven seven nine five two eight double zero double zero. And for all your questions and comments in today's session, you can use the messaging and the Q and A functions at the bottom of your Zoom page. Please think about formulating some of those questions now, because we're into the last week of Radio Days Africa 2020, and today is session 16, and it's the second instalment of Ask That Dastardly Program Manager. It's an open forum today, dealing with building a career, kind of reinventing yourself once in a while, and uh, trying to remain, remain current and on top of the changes in our sector, which are happening pretty fast and, and furious. Our panelists today are Bob Mabena. Happy birthday, Bob, for yesterday. Kamoto Bob, the Jamma Mabena, turned 51. Bob's currently the group head of programming at MSG. Who run Capricorn in Polokwane and Power FM in Johannesburg? Bob's been around for about 30 years. I mean, everyone's worked with Bob. He started off at Radio Bob, Metro FM, High Felt or 947 as they called now, Kai FM and Power FM. He's worked in various management positions at Kai as program manager and station manager, program manager at, at 947. He's also the executive in charge of the SABC commercial stations Metro Five and Good Hope. And is currently the group head of programming at MSG. Also joining us is Zandile Tembe. She's the program manager at Kozi FM. And I was checking this out like last night. I think um, some some places say they're the second the second biggest station in the world. Others say they're the fifth. But being in the top five in the world is pretty big in terms of audience. Zandi uh, started her career about 20 years ago. In, has 20 years of media experience, 12 years in radio, and uh, started off as a content contributor. And producer doing drive time and breakfast shows at Ukosi FM before she was appointed as head of programs at Ukosi in 2011. And today, she, as I mentioned, she's grown the audience to roughly about 7.8 million listeners, which is a, a vastly big, big station. Also in Durban is Zane Darvisher. Zane has been on air. He has been music manager at 947, currently the program manager at East Coast Radio. And in his bio, Zane says he loves a good story and good storytellers, which is a good thing because he works with and coaches storytellers for a living. That means he kicks DJs around quite often. He enjoys de- developing and brainstorming campaigns that de- deliver results, and he also gives good, good kitchen. Welcome to you all. First of all, I'd like to start off with uh, 
our attendees. If you do have questions, please get them to us as quickly as possible, either in, in the messaging and the Q&A, or you can do it on voice notes. So I'd like to know from you guys, uh, what your respective stations been doing in coping with COVID-19? Because operationally, in terms of internal communication with your staff and your presenters, external communication with listeners and your clients, um, we're talking about all the, all the technology we've been having to put into place to get shows done, the logistics, and also to keep the numbers coming in. Zandi, let's start with you. Can you unmute your mic? Oh, wow. <laughs> Hi, thank you, Neil, um, and thank you for having me. Um, it's, it's been an, an interesting couple of months. Um, it, it has been one that has made one really appreciate uh, the platform called Radio uh, with the challenges and, and the importance of, of being a, res a responsive platform. Um, it's been great to see people working under pressure. It's been a bit discouraging as well to see a, a pandemic like this having such an impact on our people and, and the importance of, of us speaking to our people every day to, to assist. But it's been a great learning, I must say. It's, it's been exciting at the same time to get new uh, ways of doing things and doing a little differently. Bob, you've been running more than one station. What's it been like for you? Nearly been quite yeah, um, yeah it's, it's been quite um, chalk and cheese. I mean, the numbers in Limpopo were much lower, have always been lower than Gauteng. So um, I think the talk, talk radio guys are normally very nose in the air, snooty people. They thought they wouldn't get it. So, you know, uh, there was a bit of risky behavior. But once the first case started to register, everybody started following uh, the protocols. But in Limpopo, it's, it's been quite good. I mean, you know, I, miraculously, uh, things have been going very well down there. Obviously, some shows uh, where there's the single presenter, you try and do it remotely. But it's, it's, it's been quite, quite, quite smooth. I mean, I think what, what, what normally happens is when the penny drops as to how quickly and easily one person can get it and spread it, people start to fall in line. And it, And that does work quite well. And, and if there's any presenters watching right here, it's so true. Once anything or anyone puts the fear of God into them, they, they, they fall into line. Zane, what has your experience been like? Yeah, very similar to uh, what Zandili and, and, and Bob's been saying. I think that, um, you know, it's interesting how... And, and, you know, with presenters, you have a whole plethora of different personality types that you're dealing with. So some presenters really kind of um, shone through this. Others had a really tough time adjusting, um, particularly the group shows, you know, your morning show, Afternoon Drive, is particularly challenging doing remotely. Um, but I think we've come through um, the period quite strong. I think we had to be very innovative in our programming to remain relevant. We did... Uh, a fair amount of market research during the time to particularly understand what listeners were doing and what their needs were. Because I think, you know, it definitely was not business as usual. And so we really revved our programming into a completely different gear um, during specifically levels five and four. And then we sort of started to return to normal as life started to return to normal. I think if you're a, a station like ours, which is a lifestyle brand, then you need to kind of be responsive to your listeners' lifestyles. And so if that changes, your programming needs to change. 
just the last question. I don't want to labor on this thing like, like too much, but um, because we consume and we involved in the, like in this process, do you think we carry on about it too much and not concentrate on other things we should be talking about besides the COVID stuff? Zandi? Hi, Neil. Um, we've had to. We, we've, we've had to. We've never been here. Um, so it's, it, it has been understandable that we've kind of hovered on too much, but it's also been important, as you say, that once we, we get the ball rolling um, to move on to other things, it's, it's, the conversation has really shifted. Um, we were looking at different ways now. I know we spoke earlier about how do we move on? Is, is, is radio going to be like this? Are we going to get people uh, broadcasting from different parts of the world going forward? Um, but it's, it's been important for us to really understand. And, and from someone who's from um, a PBS radio station where our responsibility is to educate, you can never not educate, you can never not inform. So as, as cases change, as numbers grow, the conversation has to, you know, take that direction. Bob, you run two stations that have a heck of a amount of talk. I mean, and obviously this is top of the mind. Have you been able to do anything else besides do COVID? Yeah. Um, what, what, what is the aggregator is that there's been other things going on, you know, and uh, we're able to divert just a little bit. Um, the, uh, the air checks will kind of tell you exactly where everybody's headed and if there's fatigue. And then you're, it, it kind of also changes your imaging a little bit because you've got to package some of the stuff, you know. So once it finds a home, it lends rather nicely and, 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 and you can actually uh, seamlessly weave it through the programming, which is what we've done with the two radio stations. There's a, a COVID update uh, here and there. But I think from a talk point of view, uh, because of the nature of our country, the looting and everything else, um, there's always news. So you, you, you try and cover as much as you can on COVID and move on to other things. Fortunately, uh, we're not short of uh, other content. So yeah, we, we, we focus on it, but we, we keep our eye on the rest of the world as well. Zane, when I found out there was going to be a shutdown, the first thing I did was run to the music department and go, take off all the wrist-slitting songs, get songs on. <laughs> what have you been doing? That's an interesting thing. We actually launched a feature um, every hour called the Uplifting Anthem. And we um, did some research over like half a day because, you know, with these things, you don't have weeks in advance. And we launched the Uplifting Anthem and we just packaged some great imaging. And at the bottom of every hour, we played a really uplifting, positive song. And when we decided to take it off, probably about three, four weeks ago, listeners actually commented and said, where's the Uplifting Anthem? We were hearing it, we were listening out for it. So something so small was, was actually um, making an impact. But But I think... The point, the point that um, both Landini and Bob have made that you can't ignore it is absolutely true. And in our latest audience study that we did, um, Ripley's Believe It or Not, COVID-19 information, particularly infections, recoveries and deaths, are still the number one thing people want to know about. So you can't ignore it. We could like to encourage you to send us your voice notes on 079-528-0000 if you're dialing in from outside South Africa. Country codes 27795280000. Also, please put your questions down in the Q&A function as well as the comment screen at the, your comment box at the, at the bottom of the screen. The second part of this is <laughs> we're never going to get rid of this is people asking about demos and work applications. I know we're never, ever going to put this to bed. So as programmers, you know, we always blame for recycling the old, same old presenters. 
So how do we how do we seek out and develop new talent? And you know, I just want to say one thing about this is people think that the program managers make all these decisions about who goes on air, whose contracts don't get renewed in April. Well, ultimately, um, it really is a group uh, kind of uh, like like discussion. But ultimately, we are not the final decision making in all staffing decisions, although we do carry a lot of weight. So in terms of uh, prospective presenters, uh, digital people, production people, getting their applications to you at the right time, what should people be doing, Zane? Neil, I, I often get beautifully written emails with beautifully edited demos that someone's paid a sound producer thousands of rands to produce, and then they can't string a sentence together. You know, so for me, at the end of the day, it's about it's about air checks. I don't want a beautifully crafted demo. I want clips of your radio show that you've done that you feel particularly proud of. Send me those. Let me hear what you sound like in the real environment. Um, at East Coast Radio, unfortunately, if you don't have a, a certain basic level of experience, we're probably not the right station for you. You know, we don't um, have the um, time or the people to teach you how to use a microphone, how a basic desk works. So. You know, I would, I would, I would, I would really um, recommend people that want to get into the industry to first try a crack at community radio. It's the best learning school you could ever go to, um, and and then once you've cracked that, uh, is to to send some air checks to a program manager and keep them short. Our attention span, even though we're uh, sitting up there in in the big office, our attention spans are about this short. So the shorter and more meaningful uh, or meaningfully impact um, your your demo can have, the better. Also, if you can grab me in the first 10 seconds, hey, I'm there. Because it's the same problem we face. We need our presenters to capture the audience within the first 10 or 15 seconds. So if you're able to do that in a demo center program manager, all the better. But I don't believe in packaging and recording beautiful demos. Bob, you've worked uh, at all levels. You've worked at uh, the startups pre-democracy. Uh, you've worked at uh, the PBS, which has a totally different mandate. You've worked at group level at, at places like Prime Media. Um, and you've worked uh, at, at, at startups. What's your approach been to, to demos and, and staffing in general? You know, pr pretty much what, what Zen has said as well. They, we all, we, we're very pressed for time. Um, but I find that a lot of people make the same mistake. Um, you are speaking in Setswana and sending your demo to 702. It's not going to cut it. And you are copying the guy in uh, uh, Radio Northwest and, 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 and everybody else. So the spray and pray thing doesn't work. You, you know, if you have to absolutely do a demo, you got to find creative ways of, of slipping it through. Uh, leaving it at reception is not going to cut it. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And plans are made. You know, uh, one-year contracts are signed. Uh, some people filter through and, and somehow go through reception and I pick up the call and so-and-so calling from, from uh, uh, Atridgeville. I thought I'd be a, a presenter on power. I have one pushback. Like, okay, as we speak right now, which presenter do you think you can replace and that's when the silence you know the advice <laughs> i can give there's, there's many ways to get in through the back door i mean as we speak right now you know Vangelin Zuza, who was a uh, traffic on on, on kaya uh, oh, yeah. they they now have radio shows you know but they, they got in through the back door it, they started way from the bottom but get your foot in in any way shape or form 
and you will find your way in if you've got what it takes. I don't know what it is about this business, but they always get into the traffic door. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, and, and to me, you know, traffic is more than traffic. It's transport. You know, it's yes. buses, it's trains, it's airlines. Yeah, it's not just a robot being out or, you know, an accident here. It's, but anyway, that's, that's my little quibble. Zandi, what's it like being, being for you to get this, to get this right? Because I'm sure that, Ukozi, you're overwhelmed. How many, how many demos are you getting a week? Um, a good 30 a week. Um, sure. And realistically, there is no way I'm going to listen to 30 demos in a week. Um, and like Bob says and Zen says, it's, it really is the same for all of us. And unfortunately, Neil, um, I, I'm yet to meet with a programs manager or radio um, broadcaster who's going to tell you um, a definite way of getting in. Um, there's, and I always talk about this, and I, and I know guys at community never really know what to make of it. Timing is everything. But with timing, practice. Practice, 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 practice. Um, and you've got different platforms to do this, whether you're on digital, whether you're in community, or you're using demos, and we'll never stop you from sending demos. So wherever I see you, whether you call, you email, I'll always encourage that you do send a demo, but practice. I can't listen to the same demo that sounds the same a year after. Um, and I'm able to pick up that you are acting. Um, I'm, I'm getting a lot of demos of people acting radio, not really broadcasting. And it's a mistake mm -hmm. they make when I switch on, I hear someone that I already have at the station. And I'm, I'm not looking for the talent that I already have. I'm, I'm looking for something fresh, something new. Be yourself. And, and those things always stick up. I, I'll never forget a good demo, I can tell you that. And when the time comes, I'll always remember you. In, in terms of uh, some of our compliance and regulatory compliance, especially when it gets to the Department of uh, Labor, we need to report, um, like every year, about our training programs within the station and this also counts especially to the private uh, players is our BE status so what kind of uh, internships learnerships shadowing programs do you have then at, at East Coast? We, we actually um, have a, a formal uh, internship program that covers a whole host of disciplines so our, our license conditions require us to train two um, intern journalists who have been working at community radio uh, we give preference to community stations in KZN when we uh, select those. But then over and above that, we have an intern in our production team. We have an intern in our video team. We um, have we had an intern in our music team. And in fact, that became a permanent position. So the intern actually grew into a, a music compiler. Um, and we have an intern in our technical and IT team as well as a marketing intern. And I think the reason we do that is because as much as the radio is about on air, there's so many other facets to radio, you know. So um, being able to train people in all the different disciplines uh, has been really good. Um, specifically, video for us has become a major focus area of our business, specifically around content. So, um, you know, we have a formalized intake in um, January, and then the um, internship runs from February to the end of January the following year. And we pay... Um, not massive salaries, but we do pay them. So it's a paid-for internship, um, and we try to expose them to uh, all the different facets of the discipline that we're training them in. And uh, a lot of our interns have gone on to work for um, other commercial stations, uh, both in KZN and in South Africa. So we're quite proud of the program, actually. Bob, uh, at MSG, what are you guys doing? 
We've been very fortunate. I mean, not even by design, quite a coincidence. Uh, the setup is that we have group uh, HR. So when um, companies and, 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 and NGOs approach group HR, it's very easy for them to disperse these people. And, and poaching is a good thing. I mean, I, I really believe in that because as, as soon as most of our staff get poached, um, especially in the back room, your, your producers, taking our producers and content producers, we're able to take from the interns. And there's been a probably more than a 90% um, um, uh, less rate of, of attrition. I mean, we, we, we've had to just, uh, people have left and uh, we were able to just take the interns and make them full time. And, and we paid a stipend as well. And I don't think it's by design. We, we're kind of now trying to find a way to because you can't get lucky for too long. Ten people at a go. We've provided uh, uh, transport for them. You can imagine that some of them would be from far afield. There's uh, the Val, some of them West Rand. So we've been able to to, to get that done. And it, it's 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 really been uh, luck at best. But um, we need we need to formalize it now. Now realize. Well, there's a comment here from WR Funder Mabit. It says it seems like program managers only focus on cultivating talent. And young people seem to think that the only job available in the radio environment is presenting. What are stations doing to cultivate competent producers and future programming managers? And I mean, that is our biggest problem because 95% of the applications we get are for on-air positions, especially to be a presenter or a DJ or an announcer or whatever you want to call them. So we do get news. We do get sport. We do get a lot of um, production people who have done audio engineering or, or sound design. Um, but like I said said before, you know, stations have a static amount of staff uh, across all departments, so you can't just keep on adding people into into jobs. So, like I said before, it's like a football team. You've got eleven on the pitch and four on the bench, and basically that's how I would manage it. Um, Zundi, you come from a different background because you're part of um, the SABC, where you have central services, sales, do all stations. Um, you've got technical that do all stations. So your basic uh, role is programming, DJs, producers, and, and probably marketing and the music department. Um, what are the opportunities like in that? It's not that it's smaller, it's just that it's different. Yeah. Um, luckily, and, and because the corporation is so big, um, with internship and training, you've got all those departments with their programs for internships. Um, so it, it's really on a business needs basis. So if sales is looking um, for interns, this will be advertised on the SABC website. And it's obviously managed by HR office um, based on the needs that the station has. I, I will obviously look at people who are looking to get into the programming space. And my approach is always when I have someone, whether they want to be on air or they want to be producers, I train holistically. You need to know how the music department works. You need to know how drama works. You need to understand our education units because that's how segmented our programming is. We've got different units where a person can learn and they can really hone their craft. Um, and it gives us a greater opportunity for people to really understand broadcasting as a whole because it really is bigger than being behind the mic. There's a lot of opportunities. What I see with young people is that when they come in for an internship, yes, the excitement is about being on studio. I can tell you, I give you seven months not even entering the studio, learning how a, a, a commercial log looks like, what a music log looks like, how <laughs> a music committee sitting looks like, how my office looks like, um, 
and 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 the many reports uh, that we have to do because it, it's, it becomes important for one to grow as well in, in the broadcasting space, you know, and um, there's so many opportunities for people, as you say, and um, that can be on the forefront, but we need more people, we need people in research, we need good writers, uh, we need people who are good script writers as well. So if, if people can just open themselves up to that, um, they'll really realize that it's a vast platform for one to grow in. Zane, what are the positions you struggle to fill the most? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> Vier is actually um, our breakfast show executive producer. Um, and to be honest, producers are, are probably one of the hardest roles to fill. Um, and I think to his point, you know, there's very little formalized training that happens uh, for, for good producers. Um, I was speaking to a colleague of mine at another commercial radio station in Joburg, um, and um, the discussion was around finding great producers, you know, because what happens is, especially in music radio, we often tend to put heavy hitters as presenters into the shows, and then you find some junior intern producer who you now hope is going to produce this person, and guess what? They don't have the gravitas to do it, and so it, it, it becomes a problem. So I think that, that finding great producers, and I think for me, a really skilled producer is someone that can produce shows, can produce content, can produce video, understands digital content, understands social media content. The more multifaceted you are as a producer, uh, I think the more successful you're going to be because, you know, we, we work with teams where uh, we have a show producer, we have a digital producer, we have a technical producer. But even though you're not necessarily doing those things, understanding how they work and being able to direct an entire team of people is, is a skill that, that not many people have. And, you know, um, perhaps there's an opportunity for us um, as broadcasters to start putting more emphasis on training producers. The other thing is um, you were a music manager, I was a music manager, really struggling to find people who understand music compiling, understand formats, understand audiences, and also understand the technology that, that runs music. I mean, it, really, to, 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 find, to try to find a good compiler is a difficult thing. Spot on, Neil. I mean, I think, um, you know, we were so lucky with um, our intern program. We had a, a music intern, and um, his name is, is Freedom, and he's our, our junior music compiler today, and he's an absolute star. You know, uh, I think as Zandile and Bob will agree with me, we often use this term in radio, some people just get it and some people just don't get it. And, you know, Freedom was one of those guys from the day he walked in, he just got it. And, and, and he's an incredibly gifted um, music compiler. I think the other thing, Neil, that you'll probably know as well is a lot of the times people think that if you're a good music person for a radio station, it's because you're a good musician or you're a singer. It, it, the two are actually um, almost polar opposites in terms of, of the execution. And so I think there's often a misunderstanding uh, in terms of when people recruit for a music manager that you think, well, they might need to be a musician, which is totally not the case. Yeah, well, you know, I always say to music compilers or like a music managers, I want you to be passionate about music but be dispassionate about compiling because it's not about you and your style of music. It's about what goes into the system. I've got three questions here from the same person, one for each of you. It's from uh, younger Makaluza. This is Zane. He says, Zane, what does it take to crack it in the lineup at East Coast and also for what uh, up at East Coast and also for what you're looking for when scouting for, for producers? I think you answered that basically in your last uh, section. Basically, if you want to be part of East Coast Radio, you just have to be awesome. 
Bob, a question for you from Younger Makalusa says, Bro, Bob, we're looking for presenters. Do you just look for a presenter or someone who can be a content creator also? And what is happening with Beach and East Coast? Happy belated birthday. Ah, thank you very much. Um, pretty much what Zane said, you know, the more multifaceted you are, the, the, the better positioned you are. Um, think of it this way. Guy walks in, he's got a great voice, he's intelligent, uh, walks in through the left door. Guy walks in through, other guy walks in through the right door and he understands content, understands news compiling, can shoot a video, can edit as well. Who am I going to pick? You know, and who knows who's going to walk in first? So that's pretty much it. The more you can do, the better chances you, you, you have of getting in through the door. As far as beat and uh, 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 rhythm are concerned, it, it's just been a perfect storm for those two radio stations. Every time we've wanted to launch, something's happened. And, and this time it, it, it's COVID. You know, it, it's a business decision. There's no point in putting people in these buildings and then have to carry that cost and, and, and not, 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 not get the sales to start with. You'll get them in the building and then you're going to have to let them go. You know, we're just going to have to ride the storm and pay for what we can right now, which is just the billion of furniture. Radio stations, you ask asking because they're ready anyway. We just need to uh, find a, a proper time to, to launch them. But yeah, we will definitely be launching. And then Younger's uh, last question to you is on these. How important is dialect when you sound for presenters? We all know about language in South Africa. I remember getting... Um, Complaints from the BCCSA because some of our staff couldn't uh, pronounce African surnames properly. So when it comes to dialect and, and language, how important is that at Adukosi? It's, 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 it's the basis of, of how the station is really run. And we, we are language driven. But one thing that I always tell people is that for a station like Ukosi, we, we are not an Isizulu radio station for Zulu people. We're an Isizulu radio station for people who speak and understand the language. They don't have to speak it um, because we understand that the Ngunis are really different in terms of where they come from. I'm, I'm a Durban girl and my Isuzu is very different to a person from northern parts of, of, of Zululand. So it's, it's important to understand the language and, and the meaning of language because it's how you deliver it. Um, I've had people say things that people from different areas would think are actually vulgar. And when I get a complaint, I'm like, no, but this, this is not vulgar. It's important to understand, to understand also that you're speaking to people who take language as, as their heart. And when you speak to them, understand that you're speaking to, to, to their heart. And um, any other thing really doesn't matter. You know, um, be empathetic and understand that uh, you, you are not a, a linguist. I have had people sending me demos and uh, CVs saying they are specialists in language and all of that. I will need those people for something else. But when you go on air, I really want someone to connect. I want someone who goes on air and connects with our audiences. And that's the most important thing about all. People are passionate about language and, 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 the, and the word spoken. Like you say, like language is a dynamic thing. It moves and changes depending on where you go and what you do. It's, it's used Perfect. for education, for economic reasons. So it is, it is a difficult thing, thing to navigate. Um, we'd like to take some voice notes now. We do have some, some voice notes so the tech heads can stick those in now. Thanks. This is Radio Days Africa 2020. Hi, I'm Karabo Makweta. 
Um, I think my burning question is what are applicants today doing wrong? Um, I think the program managers need to just dwell on that because I think the narrative today is that many people think that gatekeepers are negating um, talent and skilled people into the industry. Maybe they can answer it in a different direction. What are they doing wrong? What should they do to apply for their jobs, not just as DJs or personalities, but also behind the scenes? What can they do? Do you think that the digital way we broadcast now has detracted from some of the skill of the presenter? This is Radio Days Africa 2020. Well, let's start with that second question. Do you think digital has changed the skill set? Zane? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the if, if you are not able to... Um, tell a story or connect with audiences across a plethora of platforms, then, you know, your time in radio is, is sorely up. Um, I think for us, um, we, we our, our website and our digital content is a major focus for us. So our teams, um, and they will tell you, they sit through a product meeting where we run the stats for how many podcasts each show did last week. Uh, what the engagement was, what the website was, what their page views were, and 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 we track that, and and so your future contract is also based on your performance across digital platforms. So yes, I think it's changed dramatically. Um, the stronger you also are on your own social media, the better, because I think back in the day, um, and we always talk about back in the day. I don't know when back in the day was, but let's call it pre-internet. You came in, you did your show from six to nine, and then the next time the audience heard from you was tomorrow morning at six o'clock. Now you have the opportunity to keep communicating, you keep engaging, um, you know, and, and I think that presenters who are able to kind of cross that divide um, are the ones that are going to be wildly successful in the future. And then who knows what the next, you know, there's the latest craze is TikTok. So um, I don't see many radio stations on TikTok yet. Um, we certainly aren't there. Um, but is that a place where we need to start playing? And, and, and the short answer is possibly. So again, that's, Zane, I think you're going to reboot there. We're not hearing you. Anyway, Bob, um, what's your opinion on on, on on digital? Because there's a question here on the Q&A. It says, my name is Jonathan Griffith from Dundee, 20 years old, station manager at an online community station called Neutral FM based in Dundee in KZN. I'd like to know if there are any programs in the pipelines that will allow commercial and, radio, and regional stations to groom presenters, producers, and managers on a community radio station level to be qualified to move onto bigger radio stations. I mean, all, all these digital platforms that we started, it could be podcasting, it could be a streaming uh, like product. Are, are these good places to put people to start off their, well, not start their careers, but to, to get better skills and, and, you know, to be more competitive? Oh, absolutely, Neil. I, I, I think, you know, anywhere, as a matter of fact, um, I remember doing a workshop for, for, for uh, I think it was probably the age range was about between 18 and 25 years. And I could tell there was a lot of talent in that room. And I asked them if they thought they could actually start an internet radio station. And there was silence. You could hear a pen drop. They didn't think that it was possible. And I said to them, well, you know, start where you are. You know, uh, the, these platforms are there. And, and some of the stuff is very easy to do, as a matter of fact. You know, a lot of people are doing podcasts now. Well, 
you know, podcasts were born from radio. It's just time shifting. So it's very easy to get in once you've started. Um, I, I think that a lot of people take for granted what little things put together can do to get you to the main thing. And as far as um, the collaborations go, there's been a lot of, a lot of collab collaborations. I mean, uh, we collaborate a lot with Northwest FM in, in some instances, at least as an individual, um, some learnings that we get from them as well. And also community radio stations, there's a lot of improvement there, you know, and I think sometimes there's a, there's a tendency to think that community radio stations, even by community radio stations themselves, that they're not doing enough or they're not great. There are fantastic community radio stations out there that are actually doing what their mandate says to serve the community. You know, there are some that transgress and become commercial radio stations, and we know which ones those are. But there is collaborations by and large. And, 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 and I think, uh, you know, our contacts will be uh, released. If, if there's any tagging to be done, yeah, why not? Karaba said one of the worst notes saying, um, what are the applicants doing wrong? And he mentioned the word gatekeeping. And I must, and I must admit, having done training um, and, and being at a commercial station, there is this, the kind of this perception that, that we are the gatekeepers and we are keeping people out, people that we don't like or people that we don't want like on the station. But like I mentioned earlier, the program manager is part of the mix in making decisions around who goes on air. And it really is a larger discussion. It goes through marketing, it goes through digital, it'll go through PR, and eventually end up with the station manager or even with, with the CEO. So I don't think in terms of um, traditional gatekeeping in the political sense that we know happens in South Africa actually does exist because there's, well, I believe there's enough checks and balances within stations to make sure that this gatekeeping like doesn't happen. Zandi? Um, you know, it, I hear Garabo and, um, and, and and totally understand, um, you know, with some of the demos that I'll get sometimes, um, it's not about getting the job. Sometimes it's opening communication lines. There are emails I would receive, listen to your demo, and then say, um, please pay attention to, to how you use your mic, um, how you breathe into the mic. Sometimes it's, it's a conversation that needs to start. Um, so don't put too much, too much pressure on yourself about doing it right the first time. It's, it's, it's an engagement between myself and, and talent, and it's a responsibility as a program manager. Um, I know a bulk of our world works really sits with the people that we work with on a daily basis, but we, we do have a responsibility in grooming talent that we, we may not be interacting with on a daily basis on, on, our, on our job. But be, be proactive, keep that relationship going. Um, check with me. Um, when you listened to my demo, what could I change? Sometimes that's, that's all it needs uh, to take for, for you to do better. Um, communicate about it. And you'll never know. By the time you send me your fifth, demo that I would have seen some improvement and sometimes even directed to a different radio station and say I think you're really awesome but it, this is not what we're looking for so maybe you have a conversation with Dane and stuff like that you know so we are a community sometimes it's, it's not just about you getting a job through Zandi sometimes it's, it's it's a community us coming together looking at the talent that's there and, and sharing really the talent through different radio stations. One thing you did mention that we're going to pick up on now is air checks and snoop sessions. And 
some presenters or DJs react very positively to them. They actually come to your office door, knock on your door, or email you and go, when's my next Snoop session? Yeah. Or when you book a Snoop session with a presenter, they'll, they'll phone you the day and say, I'm ill, I'm not coming to work. <laughs> some of them can handle it, some of them can't. So in terms of Snoop sessions, um, what's too much or too little, Bob? Oh, gosh. Um, look, I mean, I, I, mine tend to be a little bit long. I, I, I listen almost in real time. You know, I, I, I don't ask the, uh, the sound guy to, or the, the technical producer to cut me the talking bits. You know, I, I'll take an hour of that show. Um, it's unfortunate that I don't have the luxury that I used to have when I, when I was at the SABC because what I would do when I was at the SABC, I'd give... Um, the breakfast show guys, for instance, a day off and pay them for it and we'd be in the car driving in traffic and someone else doing the show for the first hour. The second hour, I play them their second hour of the show the previous day in traffic so that they understand what the listener goes, goes through as well. Um, it, it can get very haphazard because there's, you know, there's no standard. Sometimes, you know how it is when the MD calls you to meetings and meetings and meetings and then sometimes the MD can't really talk to programming and they call you to the board meeting. And, you know, so I think every day is too much. Uh, but, you know, within a week, at least about three air checks of uh, three different shows. Absolutely. Shoot, I don't want to work with you, dude. That's for sure. <laughs> so, Zane, in, in, in terms of air checks and snoops, how often, what's your approach and, 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 and what are you looking for? I mean, how do you fix issues? How do you fix problems? Um, Neil, I, I think for me, when I, I and, and I like what Bob said, I, I, I do the same thing. We, we go through an hour, we listen to a whole show or a whole hour of a show, and I will play a link to, to presenters and I'll, I'll pause it and I'll say, cool, what do you think? Because here's the thing, 90% of the time, the presenters know when they get it wrong, but they don't stop to think about it. So by asking them to think about the link, what did you think of the link? And I I love to also give an hour a score out of 10. Um, you know, I'm not famous for giving more than a seven out of 10. So if you get an eight or an eight and a half out of 10, it means you did a, you had a flipping amazing hour. But I think allowing presenters to actually think about what they're doing within the context of your radio station. I mean, air checks are also so subjective. I mean, if um, this panel were to air check an hour of a specific show, I bet you we'd all come out with, with a whole bunch of different information. But at the end of the day, I see it, like a bit of a sports team, right? And the program manager is the coach and you've picked a team that's playing for you. And with that team, you're hoping to win the cup, right? And so at the end of the day, the the, the, the plan that you've put together is how um, your players should be air checked. So those air checks are, are the coaching sessions, are the feedback sessions, is where you look at how was yesterday's game? How did we play? And, and it's the same thing, uh, when it comes to, to, to talent getting onto the station, right? If you think about soccer, you think about Bafana Bafana. There are only 11 players on that pitch. Not everyone's going to make it onto that pitch. And I'm yet to meet a radio presenter that doesn't think they're good enough to do the breakfast show. I'm yet to meet one. So <laughs> the, the unfortunate thing is that we're not always dealing with people who are reasonable about their own ability and I think air checking uh, is, is the great equalizer in that sense, because uh, in my world, whether you like air checking or not, we're going to do it. 
Um, so you can either play ball or you can kick hard against it and then it's going to be a horrible experience for both of us. But happening, happen, it will happen. <laughs> Zandile, when you do air checks, what are you looking for? Do you, do you have a checklist or is it more an organic process when you sit down with a with a presenter to do a snoop session? I, I have a confession to make. I'm, I'm probably one of a few programs managers that do not like snooping. I'm, I'm, I, I really don't enjoy it. And, and this is because, um, because I work with a lot of teams. I've, I've got very few teams that work um, individually. So most of my teams, you've got two hosts, a producer a, and, and a technical producer. Um, the first conversation when, when we start our year, uh, for me is very important because I need my teams to understand what we're trying to achieve first. Secondly, why they are put together. Um, intentionally, I, I put talent um, on their strengths and their weaknesses. And it's always important for me to have almost those discussions where people understand the kind of broadcaster they are, the kind of contribution that they're making to the team. And this has helped me because, um, you know, once, once people get on air, they get the numbers, they're in a big station, the conversation changes. The hunger we speak about in, in the beginning of them wanting to know what should be in a demo or not, goes out the door in a couple of months, you know, the followers shoot up. Um, and and I, I, I like changing the conversation on why you are here and what you're good at and what I expect you to excel at. Um, I, I can't do the, the kind of snooping where, where people want to be told how great they were. I, I always believe you're in a platform because you are great and it's important, it's important for you to get exceptional with time. So my conversations are really about what is your role and what are you doing to fulfill your role? And more importantly, what is it that you're doing to be a team player? For me, that's the most important conversation. I believe when you come to Cozy, you know your style guide from A to Z. I believe you know how to do your time check. I really cannot snoop you on uh, back announcing a song and giving information and, and living and playing your ads on time. Unfortunately, this is a reality that we end up dealing with. So it takes it takes us a little bit backwards because also have to teach people who are meant to be at a certain level of understanding how radio works, but it, it, it is the nature of the beast and, and we work with it. But I really try to change the conversation so that people really understand the importance of what they're doing so that they can grow. Whether you are in nighttime radio, weekend radio, Monday to Friday, breakfast, daytime, it's important to know the role you're playing. If, if it's on the soccer field, know your position, play it very well. And that's the kind of snoop uh, sessions that I have with my team. I largely agree with you. I think that, that, that over-snooping people um, kind of detracts from what pe people develop in certain stages. So, you know, if I meet you all today and all your hair is short and you haven't got a beard, but I meet you six months later and you've grown your hair and grown a beard, I'll go, geez, you've changed. And I think that's exactly the same way that I would approach these these kind of, you know, there's only so many things you can fix. I'd say yes. there are three things in an air check, you know, stop umming and aahing, you know, one thought per sentence, like whatever the problem is, but let them take away three things that they can fix over a three-month yeah. period. Then get them back in. But, but I think I agree with Zane and Bob. People need to know, uh, producers, um, presenters need to know about their, their audience stats, the demographics. I mean, a lot of the time we air check people, but we haven't given them a chance to actually listen to their, their opposition. So if they're opposing three different stations, like on the dial, do we give them time off to actually listen to their, their opposition, to, to 
to mark themselves against who they are up against, like in the market. I think Airchex and Snoops like have their place, but but doing too many could be quite destructive. I mean, there's a, there's a comment that down here, just like uh, Zane said, that um, these things could be seen as uh, not not like not so good. Let's get on to a typical day in the life of a, like of a program manager. I mean, every day we deal with the same presenters, the same bosses, the same listeners, um, the same clocks, all that type of stuff. Um, but yet every day is totally, totally different. You wake up, you listen to the breakfast show, it's different. Um, so Zane, in, like, what's your normal day like and how do you handle that stuff that comes out of left field? Um, so I, I wake up every morning and then I, I have about four radios around the house and I switch them all on. And then I have coffee and then I start harassing the breakfast show producer on WhatsApp, as any good program manager does. Um, and I torture him until nine o'clock. Uh, and, and then, unfortunately, I, I don't get much listening done between um, nine and five, nine and six, uh, because it's the, the whole meeting thing that happens. Um so I, when I actually get to, to listen to the daytime shows, it's usually when we've booked an air check and I can sit and listen through an hour with someone. Um, so that's a, a terrible thing to admit. But unfortunately, um, in, in just the way our business is structured, that I spend a lot of time with sales um, and talking about promotions and clients uh, more than I probably would like to. Uh, but it's a it's a necessary part of our business um, to obviously keep us going. So so that's the, the the bulk of my day. And then afternoons I drive home listening to to the afternoon drive show. I do listen quite a bit on the weekends as well. Um, I actually, I mean, I think it must be quite a tough thing if you if you're programming a station that you don't like. Um, I program a station that I really like, um, and I like my presenters, and I like the music, and I like the content. So, so for me, it's quite a pleasant listen. So, so I spend a lot of time um, on weekends and after hours actually listening uh, to the station. And I'm a firm believer you don't call someone while they're on air if they're doing something wrong, unless they start the news at five minutes past 10 for the fifth time in a row, then I'm going to blast them out of the water that you can know. Um, but I generally try not to call them uh, during the show. Uh, if they've done something really awesome, um, I will maybe send a WhatsApp. Um, or if it's something that needs discussion, I'll send a mail after the show and say, hey, we need to have a catch up about this or this or this. Um, but presenters are also those kinds of beasts. They don't like waiting. So they want to know now and then. So after the show, we'll, we'll have a chat if there's, if there's a problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's important as a program manager as well to try and consume your station like a listener. You know, so put it on in the background, walk around when you're doing stuff around the house so that you can actually feel how other people experience it. Because I think our problem as programmers often is that we're so consumed with the nitty gritties and the clock design and there's supposed to be two songs there. You didn't sweep those songs and you did. we get so caught up in that stuff, um, you know, and, and structurally and overall that stuff is important, but I think it's important to also just let it play, let it flow, see how a listener experiences because often what will happen is I'll, I'll talk to the breakfast show producer after the show and say, hey, I never heard you guys do this on a morning that I was busy. So as a, so as a listener then, I wouldn't pick up something particularly, um, whereas if you go back in your air check, it was there. So 
Um, it's really about understanding how your audience consumes your product and then trying to consume it in that way as well. But yeah, to your point, there's no typical day for me. Um, some days start out really busy and then other days uh, start out really slow. And uh, today's been a really slow day, which has been great. So I've actually been able to listen to the radio uh, quite a bit. Um, but it, 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 it all depends. Bob, you do this at a different level because you're like a group programming head and you have two program managers or maybe even more now. Um, so what would you expect your program managers to be doing on a daily basis? You know, Zane has, has summed it up so well. Uh, the role of the program manager is so multifaceted. Uh, sales want their time. Uh, the GM wants their time. As head of programming, I want their time as well. And then there's those demos. Remember them? That <laughs> they might have to listen to. So, you know, it, 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 uh, in my position, it, it's very difficult to have a typical day. I mean, you know my affliction with the migraines. So I end up for the past four years, I've slept only four, four hours in a day. I sleep more than, you know, it triggers the migraine. So it, 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 I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm cursed and fortunate at the same time that I'm able to listen longer uh, to, 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 to more stuff on air. But the program managers at the radio station do most of the work. So sometimes they just relegate me to be the guy who handles the complaints with the BCCSA. Sometimes I get to be at the disciplinary hearings. I don't get to really do the nice stuff. But uh, when I do hear some stuff that, that's a little bit out of order, like Zane summed it up so well, you cannot have a presenter missing the news at 12 five, five times uh, in a row. It, it's just not on. It, it, it just The clock is there for a reason. And those are the structural issues that one, you know, what, you know, the, the, the aerial goes up on like, oh, red flag, there is a problem here. And the problem is just not the presenter, but the producer as well, because the backgrounds, uh, the backroom stuff, uh, uh, they're supposed to be holding the whip on, on behalf of the program manager. You know, I think that sometimes um, these guys, um, and Zane said it earlier, you know, that, that, that you can find a really great producer who can produce a fantastic midday show but then they get to breakfast. You think they're really ready and they're great. They get to breakfast. They get overwhelmed by first the star power of the breakfast show guy. And then they're a fan and they can't really crack the whip. So you really need a slave, a taskmaster with, uh, with their producers. And once you've got that layer sorted with the producers where they can be taskmasters, it makes the, produ- the, the program manager's job a little more easier. And Zandila, you, you also work in a, a pretty complex environment because you've got offices in Joburg, in Johannesburg and in Durban. Um, you've got sales teams all over the country. Uh, you know, your, your things are pretty disparate across. So how do you handle your day? Because it, it's not always a line of sight. Mm. Honestly, I don't know. That's, that's the honest truth. I don't know um, how I handle everything. But one thing I've learned um, in, in a couple of years is that with everything that's going on, you can't do everything by yourself. Um, just as much as your support for other people, you need the support. Um, it's, it's very important to, to start seeing skills in your team that they don't see in themselves because then that's how you build your team. Uh, my traffic controller will not just be a traffic controller. I, I would use her as an executive producer. Um, you, you use your music uh, department differently. You, you try and have everyone playing a role that supports you so you can best support everybody else. So it's, it's, it's a crazy one um, for us because we have very active listeners. They are so active. Um, if, if the news are late, believe me, they've got my cell phone number. I don't know how they get it, but 
I will know. I got the music industry, um, probably one of the biggest stakeholders, um, wanting to be on air every day, all the time. Um, you've got stakeholders who are community leaders who believe the station should be servicing them and, and they want representation and you have to deal with those people, let alone the structure and the many bosses that you have and you have to report to and you've got your sales team that needs to bring in the money, you need to give them their, their time, you've got a 45 team um, uh, of individuals uh, who, who need to be, you know, guided, sat down with, snooped, getting feedback. Uh, getting briefs and, and all of that. But like I said, uh, Neil, one thing that I've, I've seen to have worked is to have a, a team that you structure in a way that they equally support you as you support them and show them their capabilities beyond what they see in themselves. I, I, I think a lot of this has got to do with the traditional ways that we structure radio stations. And I think it's with COVID being here, and shareholders and owners looking at the bottom line. I think it's an opportune time for programmers to engage with them around these old hierarchical structures. Um, and I've said it before, is get rid of departments and start looking at teams. So you'd have different types of skills in teams, you know, producing news, technical, digital, et cetera, and have team leaders. I mean, I didn't sort through this 100%, but the, the, like, so you taking, Zandi, what you're saying is all this responsibility, and it's across a wider range of people that would support us as program managers, as opposed to everyone running off to the corner office saying, help, 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 and yeah. us feeling just basically uh, like overwhelmed. Um, my last question to all, all three of you is, in your radio career, who are the people or what are the personal experiences that have, that have taught you the most? Bob? Oh, Neil, uh, um, it, it's quite, quite a lot of people. Uh, the first has to be, it has to be Stan Katz. Um, crazy, abrasive. Um, you know, from Stan, I learned how, both how to do stuff and how not to do stuff. You know? And Hadebe um, uh, was a, 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 a program manager and a presenter's dream. Uh, his people skills were really, really fantastic. He was, he, he was great. He, was, he, he, he could really calm things down. And he ran quite a big team. The, if you remember correctly, huge radio station with the likes of Shadow Twala, Treasure Shadow. He, he, he had a way of managing egos that was really incredible. He had that respect about him. Um, maybe to uh, uh, sideswipe Zandi there probably because he's from KZN, you know, that whole respect thing that comes, that comes with it is really quite incredible. Um, uh, Terry Falkvain, from her, I learned how to learn. You know, I mean, when she threw um, uh, Great by Choice, the strategy book at me, that's when I was going to a higher level, a group level, and it helped quite a great deal. And uh, it helped me to articulate, understand, and deliver strategy. And, and that helped. And you know, I find that when I was in the wilderness at some stage running Gagasi and Heart FM, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd wake up in a hotel room not knowing whether I was in Cape Town or Durban. It, that, that, that can really mess with one's head. Uh, I, I found that books like that actually taught you how to manage your time and how to articulate strategy and, and slap dash it if, if you have to. So those three people for me were really incredible from a management point of view. Uh, how to get things done. Oh, and um, um, Paul Ward. Oh, rest his soul. 
that was an authentic radio guy. Um, he, he was really incredible. His radio ideas were fantastic and he could articulate stationality so well. I, I loved him. I really did. So Dile, what are the things that have happened to you that have, that have formed you as a program manager and the people that, that, that you regard highly? Many, many people. Uh, first, Bongampanza for giving, you know, giving me an opportunity to be a programs manager when I thought of myself as an executive producer. Podloza uh, Zimande, who was a station manager when I was still a content uh, producer at Ukozi FM, um, he taught me the importance of supporting your team um, and the entire team of Ukozi FM. I, I don't, I could never understand those young people and people who've been in radio for such a long time to have been able to carry that station for so long without fail. Um, I, I think that station has the most talented people and most skilled people and most probably the Ukozi FM listener. I've never met a complex, engaged and involved listener like an Ukozi FM listener. They keep me on my feet. I, I worry myself about them in terms of what we give them on a daily basis. So everyone I've worked with literally has taught me so much. And also, I just want to say that we need more females in, in the programming area. They, 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 they're just too, too few. Okay, and, and to wrap up, Zane, like the, uh, the people that you worked with that you admire and some of your experiences that have honed you into a program manager. Um, I, I'm always grateful for people who gave me opportunities, Neil. I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to Alfie J, who's the MD of Elko FM today. He gave me my first shot at commercial radio. And while I was there, um, I had the opportunity to work with Peter de Nobrega, who taught me everything I know about music. Um, I don't think there's a better music guy in South Africa. Um, and so I was very privileged and honored to have learned my, my, my skill from him. Um, you know, he's a hard taskmaster and, um, you know, he can be quite abrasive at times. But uh, I really learned a hell of a lot from him. And then also, you know, um, Ravi Naidu gave me a shot at Prime Media, which I will be eternally grateful for um, as well. And then uh, to Nick Grubb, who um, hired me at Kahisa Media. Uh, you know, I love being part of the Kahisa Media family and being at East Coast Radio. And then also, we also work with uh, a good friend of yours, uh, Neil, Phil Dows. I've learned some really interesting things from Phil over the years. Um, you know, so I've been really, really fortunate in my career to have been exposed to the best of the best and 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 you know i don't take that for granted for one second so i'm really really lucky and really really fortunate well guys it's just after three o'clock thanks for your time today it's been a great session sorry we haven't been able to get to all of your questions and answers but thanks to zane darvisha who's the program manager at east coast radio sandile tembe Cause the FM's program manager and Bob Mabena, head of programming at the MSG Group. I'd like to thank our partners and sponsors, who include the Codred Adenauer Institute, RCS Africa Sound Software, Iona FM, the Abundant Media Group, and Crossfade Studios. Tomorrow, session 17 of Radio Days Africa 2020 is Newsrooms in Africa. And we all know that journalism and reporting in general is, is, is under threat, not just in Africa, but in but, but worldwide. And tomorrow, moderating the Newsrooms in Africa is revealed where. Makapanyane, and she'll be talking to editors from the Ivory Coast, from Africa Check, and from the Children's Radio Foundation in Senegal about newsrooms in Africa, what they're currently looking like, and what their challenges are. That's at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, session 17 of Radio Days Africa. Thanks for joining us today. 
thank you for joining this Radio Days Africa session. Click to watch or download the podcast. That was a Radio Days Africa podcast brought to you by the VIX Radio Academy.